Longhorn fans, Sooner Nation, welcome to episode 98 of the Boomer Bevo podcast, the only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, University of Oklahoma, and the University of Texas. I'm here with my man, Kevin Miller. I am John Whitson. The Texas Longhorns will face the Washington Huskies in the Sugar Bowl two days from the taping of this podcast. This is on a Saturday. They will be facing them on a Monday. It is the biggest game in Longhorn football history since 2009. Kevin, are the butterflies fluttering? Are you already nervous? Where are you at two days out from kickoff? You know, I am starting to get a little bit nervous, right? I'm I'm excited about it. It's a great opportunity for us. It's a new opportunity for us, right? We've been down for so long. You know, it seems like after that 2009 championship game lost to Alabama, Texas football just fell off a cliff, right? We've been trying to climb our way up ever since, and we're almost back. Almost back. Not fully back yet, but we're almost there. So, did you see um, Missouri? Did you see Missouri is back, according to their quarterback? Yeah, I'm not sure what that means. You know, what are they back what from? That means. But, you know, it's interesting about Missouri, though. They do have some momentum going and they had to do some things in recruiting. So um, good for them. But I don't know what you meant by the um, by the word back thing. They're back and they're, and they're never leaving, apparently. So whatever. Never leaving. Never leaving. But hey, okay. good win for them. So, hey, here's the rundown of this podcast episode today, Kevin, is we are going to talk a little bit uh, OU Arizona. <laughs> Get your thoughts on the Sugar Bowl. I'll give you my thoughts on the Sugar Bowl. Then we'll break down in some detail. Uh, the, I said my thoughts on the my thoughts on the Alamo Bowl, and then break down in detail the Sugar Bowl game. I've got some stats. Texas is feeling pretty cocky about this game, and I think the line is helping them feel cocky. But when I look at some of those stats, it it would make me, if I were a Texas fan, it would make my butterflies flutter quite a bit because I think. Washington has some unique talent and some ways of attacking teams that I think is going to give Texas issues. I would completely agree with that. But first, but we're confident first. more. We're confident more than cocky. That's okay. You can be confident. That's fine. I mean, you're in the college football playoff, dude. If it's uh, my uh, brother-in-law said it this week, uh, right before we started to play golf, he said, that, "Yeah, he's a professional gambler. This guy, Kevin. I have a brother-in-law that is a professional gambler." All he does is go to casinos and play poker and bet on sports games, and that's how he makes a living. Okay, so did you get his thoughts on the Sugar Bowl? Um, he has not handicapped the Sugar Bowl for me. He did not okay. handicap the Sugar Bowl for me, but he did give me an anecdote, right? We were talking about playing golf and what it means to play golf, and he said that he was sitting at the table with Russell Westbrook one time, poker table okay. in Vegas. And he said, some random guy comes up to Russell and goes, well, you're really cocky for a dude that's never won an NBA title. And he said, Russ said to him, with all calmness and as direct as he could, he said, without confidence, what else do I have? And I'll tell you what, dude. Drop the mic. Drop the mic. I think that's a great line. I think it's a great, And I think you've got to have, as a Texas fan, and if you're Quinn yours and if you're, you're a Sarkeesian, what else is there? Like, you have to have confidence entering this game. And I thought that Westbrook, uh, because that dude was cocked, right? We know we know what he was about. But we also know that he was the first guy to average a triple-double since Oscar Robertson in the 70s. So, um, you know, people are going to say what they want about Russ, but I thought the, the comment alone, without confidence, what else right. do I have? 
Even if I it's think a that's rival, a fan. you got to believe. Well, yeah, and I think it gives you a look into like the minds of those guys. They just think different than we do, you know. Right. And I think so. Yeah, go ahead, have your confidence. Russell Westbrook says, "Have your confidence, Kevin." I think it's the point of this story. Well, shout out to Russell Westbrook. Man, I think he's great. All right. Um, speaking of maybe somebody whose confidence took a shot in the arm on Thursday night, the Jackson Arnold led Sooners get upset, or maybe they weren't upset because I guess they were a favorite, uh, get beat by Arizona in the Alamo Bowl. I don't think it's anything more complicated, complicated, Kevin, than six turnovers. You have six turnovers versus one turnover. Like, what are you going to do? I guess two turnovers. Maybe they had two turnovers. I don't even know. It doesn't matter. If you have six turnovers, how are you supposed to win a football game? Yeah, you're not going to win a game really against anybody, but especially against a a good team. And Arizona's a good team. I think they showed that. But, yeah, I mean, first of all, I thought this was a really fun game to watch, especially as a, you know, neutral fan who's just watching the game. It was a fun game to watch. I thought we saw some really good things from Jackson Arnold. Um, Hopefully your fans aren't being too hard on him. This is what happens when you play young quarterbacks, right? We've seen it from Quinn Ewers, um, especially last year, right? He just doesn't have experience. He He hasn't seen everything yet. And that's what led to some of those interceptions. That's what helped, led to him holding the ball so long on some of these plays. But, man, I thought overall he was pretty good. What well, do you think about it? No, I, dude, listen, I thought – I don't think – okay, look. I think if this was a college football playoff game, for example, if it was a college football playoff game that you had to go try to win the game, not that they weren't trying to win – but you were creating a game plan to minimize your – you wouldn't have done the same game plan. with an. Yeah. I don't think you would have done it with a conference championship game. I don't think you would have done it with a college football playoff game where you have JFA come out slinging the ball. I really think a Seth Luttrell probably comes out with a little more run-heavy package, I hope. Sawchuk had another great game. He ended the year very strongly. I'm very excited about the direction of Sawchuk. 15 carries, 134 yards, and a touchdown, 8.9 yards a carry. Something tells me that if they weren't trying to get Jackson Arnold as many touches and as many throws as they could get, they would have really probably rather pounded the rock. So I feel like a lot of this was, dude, we're going to let you throw it as much as you can. We have nothing to lose. This is a nothing-to-lose game. And I thought he, when he did sling it well, he slung it really well. Like, that dude can throw the ball, dude. The, 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 we talked about Brendan Thompson on the – on the pregame, the guy is super fast and he's got one speed and we finally might have a quarterback that can keep up with that speed because he threw it to him on a dime to start the third quarter. Um, I just like what the guy gets, but you're right. He makes some mistakes. Okay. Like whatever. I, if no, you're an OU fan and you're being hard on him, I, I think you're, I think you're at, you're, you're, you're picking a fight where there doesn't need to be one. Yeah. And I think you, honestly, you're going to see more of this next year. It's going to be his first year as a starting quarterback. You're going to see some incredible plays. You're going to see some, what was that kind of plays? It's just what happens when you play young quarterbacks, right? We've seen it with Quinn Ewers. We've seen it with other guys over the years. It's no coincidence that the majority of guys who are playing or winning the Heisman are experienced guys, right? Especially these last few years. The Bo Nixes, Michael Penix, Dylan Gabriel, who had a great year, fifth and sixth year, Seniors who have just seen everything at this point with Jackson Arnold, he's still seeing things for the first time. He's going to make mistakes, but with that kind of talent, you're willing to live with them. I think next year he'll learn to minimize them. They're still going to be there, 
right? But you'll minimize him. He'll be better. Uh, other thoughts I had on the game. I actually thought the defensive line for Oklahoma played pretty well. Um, they completely shut down the running game. Arizona had zero running game. Like I think they had one It was a non-factor at all. Yeah. Um, so nothing. I mean, nothing. It was that was good. I, they got to uh, Fafita four times, I think, with sacks. But the problem for me, and and it's and it sucks because going into the game, I said, well. The best part about this is that Oklahoma has their whole complement of their secondary. They've got uh, Bowman, and they've got Bowen, and they've got Woody Washington, and they've got um, McCullough, and they got Gentry Williams. I'm like, these guys should be able to cover. Dude, you said it on the podcast. Look out for the McMillan kid. Kevin, they couldn't stop that guy. They could not stop the guy. Yeah. And it, it was reminiscent of some early, like some busts that you used to saw, see from Grinch and Mike Stoops in the past where you're just letting the best player on the field run wide open, and it didn't make a lot of sense to me. So, yes, you're not going to win a game with six turnovers, but you're also not going to win a game when the best wide receiver is running wide open down the middle of the field. No, I completely agree. And like like you said, we talked about this in the preview. These guys are hard to cover. And I don't think you're able to cover them at all the whole game. Like you said, though, your defensive line did a great job, especially in the second and third quarter. Yes, of getting constant pressure, he was running for his life. I mean, he got took a lot of sacks. He was a lot of throwaways. That's what helped the secondary. And I think in the fourth quarter, I don't know, maybe the D, either the defensive line wore down or they made some sort of protection adjustments and were able to give Fafita more time. And when he had time, man, those receivers are deadly. And Jacob Pound, we talked about him too. He was a kid. I think I told you this. He's a transfer from Utah. Yeah. Texas El Paso and te- Texas really wanted him, but well, he had a child in Arizona. Okay. That's why he transferred. Kind of like A.D. Mitchell coming back to Texas. He had a daughter in Houston. That's why he transferred from Georgia to Texas. So, um, yeah, those two guys really hard to cover. They have a great scheme that gets guys open. So, uh, I gotta tell you McMillan, too. we're talking about a five star receiver here. This is not just a guy no, no, who's a product saying- of a system. Oh this no, is a no. five star guy who's going to the NFL next year. After, he, you know, he's going to play one more year. He's going to the NFL. He he's he was the best receiver on the field. And Nick Anderson had a good night. And we know he, what yeah, Nick Anderson can do. But he was the – McMillan was clearly the best receiver on the field. And to your point, not just system. But t- tell me if I'm wrong here. Um, the, the, the interceptions hurt. But where they came in the game didn't hurt nearly as badly as the two fumbles that Farouk had. The two yeah. fumbles that Farouk had were like, I mean, you're looking yeah. to score. The like, first it, one, especially because it was weird because he caught the ball and he was running. And I thought he was actually going to score. And all of a sudden, I just see Drake Stoops kind of in his way. I'm not sure where he even came from. I'm assuming he was trying to get a block. And it kind of made him stop. Yeah. And when he stopped for just that one second, it allowed the defender to come catch up and punch the ball out from behind. And, yeah, the second one, man, it's a, it's a good throw and a decent catch, too. And then he just gets hit, pops up in the air. and. Johnny on the spot, that Maldonado kid, and, and takes it to the house. That will completely flip the momentum of the game. Yes. You guys were about to go up, what, 31? Or th- was it – Because what was the score at that time? The score was 21. The score was 21-13. 21-13. Okay, yeah. yeah. And so you're about to go up 28-13, and then instead it's a three-point game. Yeah. So it just completely flipped the game. I, I just I, – you, you didn't expect – I, you know, you talk about things that you don't expect to happen in a football game. I don't think anybody thinks Farouk is going to have 
a fumble and then a drop fumble or whatever you want to call it, a turnover. Because yeah, he was one ruled, of our, they ruled out a catch and a fumble too. Yeah. So he, he's good. He's one of our more short, short-handed quarter or you know, players, uh, older player, the kind of guy that you're supposed yeah. to count on for that. So he's the second most experienced guy out there besides Drake Stews. Yeah, I just felt like when those happened, obviously the pick six, and then you're in the red zone with the other one. And so it's those those two hurt me more than the turnover the, the other interceptions that he threw, if that makes sense. Like they, they just were more impactful to the outcome of the game. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, it, if I take away anything from the game, I take away the fact that Sawchuck looks like he's regained every bit of whatever he lost over last summer. He looked really, yeah. really, really good to me. Uh, Jackson Arnold, I think we're going to be fine. We're going to have some some growing pains, but a lot yeah. like Quinn Ewers and stuff like that. We're not. We're the arm yeah. talent is absolutely yeah, there, you, and he's you live with it because you know what he's capable of. It's well, and he's willing to and he's willing to use his legs too, dude. Correct. And yeah, he's an athlete. I, I don't know. I just thought it looked great. I'm really happy with that. Thompson, we're going to keep having Anderson. We're great there defensively. I like to Kip Lewis. Uh, Dolby stepped up, played really well. The secondary, though, and you know Billy Bowman, I love you. I've been preaching to you, but we've got to get those guys in order. That We're not going to be able to take that secondary that we saw in the last five games plus the bowl game into the SEC and yeah. think that we're going to stop anybody, you know, that we're going to slow anybody down. I will say this, that most teams in the SEC don't have two receivers that are that good. Yeah, but, dude, we, right. but we, but, we didn't yeah, look great against – we didn't look great against Oklahoma State. We weren't covering well against uh, – uh, TCU even so yeah true. I, I mean I'm just kind of taking I'm looking at those last five games kind of in totality um but that's okay we're okay 10 and 3 6 and 7 to 10 and 3 you lost to a good Arizona team with a true freshman quarterback not the end of the world it's the freaking Alamo Bowl like I can't get worked up about yeah, the Alamo I mean, Bowl. Listen, Texas lost the Alamo Bowl last year is that an right. omen? Are you predicting something right now on the no. 98th episode of the Boomer People podcast? I'm not. I'm not. Okay. I'm Just not. I'm saying you can, you can go from losing the Alamo Bowl to playing in the college football playoff. Speaking of the college football playoff, let's jump ahead. Before we do, let's thank our title sponsor, Brown O'Haver. Brown O'Haver is a public insurance adjusting firm. Works for the insured, not the insurance company. So if you've had a loss to your home or your business, uh, whether it's from rain, fire, I mean, not rain. Well, I guess it could be from rain, but, you know, flood, tornado, fire, some hail damage, whatever the case may be. You want to call Brown O'Haver, 405-735-5510. They had just claims to get you more money more quickly. On average, Brown O'Haver gets their clients 30 to 40% more than they get on their own. I work for Brown O'Haver. Kevin works for Brown O'Haver. We got a heck of a team there. Give us a call if you've had a loss at any point in the claim process. Whether your loss was yesterday, six months ago, a year from now, give us a call, 405-735-5510. Kevin, when I take a look, let's start with the lines. I've got some interesting notes on the lines here. So the lines have not changed hardly at all since these matchups were announced early December. Uh, Bama, Michigan. Michigan is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, Texas, Washington, you guys are a four-point favorite. The line has not moved, Okay. Very interesting, um, right? To see no change after a month. It really, really is. And so it tells me that that the line was probably set really well, you know, because I, I just I don't see it. 
Now, here's what I found interesting, though, is the future. So they've got future lines up. They've got uh, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to tell you the matchup and you tell me the, the what you expect the line to be. OK, Kay. Texas against Michigan. I would say Texas favored by two. Michigan minus three. Michigan's a three point favorite. Okay. They play three Texas. Point favorite. okay. W- Washington, Michigan. I'd say Michigan minus five. Six and a half. Yeah. Michigan might. Yeah. Half, Michigan okay. a clear favorite. Bama, Texas. I think Vegas would have Bama by one. Two and a half. One point five. Three and a half. Two and a half. Okay. Two and a half. Yep. Okay. And then the last one of the possible matches matchups, Bama versus Washington. Um, Bama minus six. Right on it. Yep, right on it. So I just find that interesting that um, so yeah. clearly what they're saying is is Michigan's the clear favorite. Clear favorite to win out, which makes sense. Um, they are the number one seed. I just don't see it that way, though. I don't think Michigan is the best team in this in this yeah, bracket. Neither do I. Maybe there's something that we just haven't seen, and maybe they just haven't had to show everything that they're capable of against the teams that they have played so far this year. But, man, you know, when the playoffs were announced, and I'm thinking if Texas gets in, I was hoping they would get Michigan. Yeah. I thought that. First of all, I thought Washington should have been the number one seed because I think they have the best resume out of all the teams that are in the playoffs this year, including Texas and Alabama. I thought they should have been number one. Michigan would be two, and Texas would have played Michigan. I actually thought that was a better matchup for Texas than Washington is. I feel like what Michigan is good at doing offensively is what Texas is good at stopping offensively. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I um. You know, I you say that we haven't seen it. Go, you know, take us back to take us back to TCU. You know, and they just they didn't look great against that team. And that TCU was a good team. I don't think they're Alabama. I don't think they're this no. year's Texas team. No. Um, and, and they're definitely not this year's Washington team. I think Alabama presents matchup problems because of Jalen Milrow. Right. Absolutely. I think that that guy plus their defense is a matchup. That's a matchup problem. Uh, Washington, which we're gonna we're gonna talk about here in a second, a little more in depth. I think they're a matchup. They got three receivers plus their running back is finally healthy. Uh, he's had with a great a, season too. He's had a great season and with a bum leg for the last four four games. You know, yeah. So I think he's gonna be. I think he's a matchup problem. Um, and then of course Texas. We're we're gonna talk about Texas, but. Guys, y'all, you, you probably have the most balanced attack, even though you don't have Jonathan Brooks anymore. You still got Baxter and Blue. Uh, Quinn is a very patient player, at least so far this year. He's been really patient. And then defensively, I think you 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 could have the argument to have as good a defense as a Michigan has, especially on the defensive line. Uh, so I just, I, if I'm handicapping these, I'm with you. I'm putting Michigan at the bottom of the list. So maybe, you know, maybe we're going to be wrong. Maybe, the, you know, in two weeks when, yeah. we, when we recap it, we're going to be like, oh, well, I guess we were dead wrong. But I just don't see it, dude. I don't see enough athletic um, versatility or uh, athletic and versatile offense coming out of Michigan to think that they're going to go put points on the board against Alabama's defense. I just don't yeah, get you it. You can shut down their running game. Can J.J. McCarthy put this team on his back, throwing the football, and potentially running the football himself? That's the question I have about Michigan. And they haven't had to answer. They haven't been put in a position yet to where they have to they have to answer that question. And if they play 
Alabama, I think, will force him to do that. Okay, that's a you bring up a great point. So, uh, rank the quarterbacks for me in this playoff. Rank okay, just this the quarterbacks. This is really interesting. One, right? two, three, okay. four. Because I, I think it's for me, it's pretty clear. Penix is one. Okay. Right, and then you know it's so interesting when you look at the other three guys. You can make an argument for two through four with all of them. Right, so it, it's hard. I, I so yeah, go ahead. I don't, okay. the, 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 I don't know that I agree with that statement, but go ahead. Okay, okay. So I would go, I would go um, Penix one. Right, this this is really hard for me. Right, I would go. Man, I, I'm having a hard time separating Ewers and Melrose. Mm-hmm. And I would go McCarthy four. Yeah. Even though I think McCarthy's really talented, but I, we just haven't seen it. We just haven't seen it. All right, hold on. Let me pull up Milrose's stat line real quick, okay? Okay. Because that's the one thing I don't have. I don't have his stats pulled up. I don't have McCarthy's either. I know McCarthy's You know how like I that. feel about Milrose? We talked about this when Texas beat Alabama. And we knew that uh, that um, Alabama fan was going to be all the way out on Milrose after that game. And I told you, I believe in Milrow even more after watching this game. This is a good Texas defense. He's a very inexperienced player. But he made some plays in that game that were some wild plays for me. And, you know, they benched him foolishly for that game against South Florida, which they almost lost. And then now they put him they put him back into the starting lineup. And he's just continued to get better and better as the season has gone on. Yeah, let me get his rushing stats. I've got his, I've got his passing okay. stats, but let me get his rushing stats because I think those tell a even crazier story. And the thing about Milrow is like he has the ability not just to pick up a first down running the ball. He could take it to the house. He can go sixty on your defense. Okay, listen, I I, I think I think Penix is the clear number one. He's got the best arm talent. Um, he's the most mature in the group. Um, he's demonstrated on the field. I like Penix number one. Total agreement. Here's the thing. I think the dis I think the Milrow and Quinn argument is fine if you're comparing passing to passing. Okay. Yeah. So well, Quinn is uh 248 for 351, 70% completion, 3,100 yards, 21 touchdowns, and six interceptions. Milrow, not near the the amount, 171 for 261, less 5% less on the completion percentage. Only 400 yards yes throwing, but still had 23 touchdowns and six interceptions. So he threw for two more touchdowns than Quinn. So, yeah. you know, maybe Quinn's got, you know, a little bit more prolific in terms of yards. But then, dude, when you add 140 carries, 468 yards, and 12 touchdowns rushing, dude, yeah. I, like, that is, that is dynamic. That is a dynamic yeah. player, and it's really hard to game plan against that, right? So I think Milrow – because of the running stats, is a clear number two, which I think makes Quinn a clear number three. Not a knock on Quinn, just kind of where they're at. And then I just think McCarthy's way the heck down there. I'm going to look at his stats, yeah. too, just real quick. And while you're pulling that up, you know, the thing about Milrow, you know, he said he had 400 yards rushing so far this season. I think they kind of held him back because they don't want him to get hurt, you know, playing the SEC schedule. I think they're going to unleash him running the football even more than we've seen because uh, that's just a dynamic weapon, man. Um, listen, listen to this: two thirteen for two eighty seven, seventy four point two yards, twenty six hundred yards throwing, 
19 touchdowns and four interceptions. Okay. So, so very he doesn't make a lot numbers. of the doesn't make a lot of mistakes, but Jalen Milrow has more passing yards than he does on yeah. on 20 less attempts. Um, and he has four more touchdowns passing than him and only two more interceptions. My point is he he doesn't have he doesn't have Milrow's legs. No, he's a good he's a good athlete now, but he doesn't have Milrow's legs. No, no, he is. No, trust me, he he's a he's a really good athlete. He just he's not Milrow though. Milrow is like you know, I think I think Washington level, just a stronger, bigger version. I think uh, Washington best offense. Yes, best defense. Michigan or Alabama? Alabama for me. Alabama, that's fair. But the best balance offense, defense, Texas. Uh, Texas, yeah, uh huh. I think yeah. Texas is yeah number two in in both categories. I would say. Yeah, I, well, agree. I mean, Michigan's defense is really good too. You know, I want to give them credit. They're actually really good. Washington no, will be fourth. Washington's going to be a clear fourth defensively. They're a clear first offensively to clear to fourth defensively. All right. Specifically talking about the Sugar Bowl matchup and the University of Texas versus Washington, much is being made about the passing defense. Um, they, uh, the pundits, are quick to point out that. Uh, Penix gets to go up against the 93rd ranked pass defense. Um, we went over Penix's numbers. We're also talking about three guys, McMillan, Odunze, and Polk. Two 1,000-yard uh, reception guys um, with Odunze leading with 1,428 yards, 13 touchdowns for him. Does the 93rd ranking adequately uh, express how good y'all are at pass coverage? And is this the clear weakness in this matchup for you guys? Well, it's definitely the clear weakness in, in Texas defense is their ability to cover certain types of routes and certain types of schemes. And this is one of those types of schemes that Texas has had trouble with. Okay. Um, first of all, let me talk about Rome Adunze. This kid is incredible. We talked about Washington before the season, right? We talked about how good the Pac-12 would be. And we were talking about how good the conference would be. We talked about Washington specifically. And the reason was panics in these three receivers. Adunze, I mean, 1,400 yards receiving. Are you serious? 13 yeah, touchdowns. And they've got catches. two other guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he makes everything. He All types of catches. Right? Throw it up in traffic. Got it. He can make the sideline, you know, those crazy tiptoe catches on the sidelines. He can catch in traffic. He's a great route runner. He can separate from corners and man coverage. He can find spots in zone coverage. He's a total package, and he's the best receiver that we'll be facing this entire season. And I think Texas has gone up against a pretty good one so far. But, yeah, to me, he's a clear number one. But, again, you can't focus all your attention on him. You can't bracket your coverage. It's kind of like when you play Texas this year. Last year, you can bracket Xavier Worthy. Now you can't because they have A.D. Mitchell. Very similar with these guys. You can't do that because they've got Jalen Polk, who's also a thousand yard receiver, and they've got McMillan. If you look at his stats, right, 34 catches for 468 yards, it's because he was injured most of the season. Yep. Right. Yeah, no, they, they've got, they, they, they're definitely a big three. They're a big three. Yes. And I think all of them are going to play in the NFL, right? It's almost similar to the LSU offense in 2019, where you had Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and Terrace Marshall, people forget about him. He was drafted in the second round. 
and he was a third receiver. So they've got three really good ones. The tight end's not bad either. Okay, well, let me ask you. So rubber meets the road. Can you all stop these three guys, or do you just need to contain them? I think we just need to contain them. I think the biggest thing, they're going to make catches. We can't let them catch the ball on a five-yard slant and go for 40 yards. Right. That's going to be the biggest thing, right? And we can't give up the deep shots. Can't happen. Um, When I look at Quinn's passing, um, you know, people people are saying, well, Quinn gets to go up against the 120th pass defense in the country with Washington. Washington's allowing – 263 yards a game per game passing. Um, Quinn's numbers, just the efficiency's there, but they're still not as eye-popping. Am I just spoiled as an Oklahoma fan that I'm used to eye-popping stats, and when I see these, I don't appreciate what I see? Or has he underwhelmed this season or underperformed your expectations? No, no, no. He's been, he's been just fine. Yeah, I have no disappointment with him. This season, I think he's been great. I think we've ran the ball so well. I thought I thought he would have better stats, and the reason I thought his stats would be better because I didn't think we would be able to run the football as good as we were, as good as we have been after losing Bijan and Roshan Johnson. I thought, okay, well, we've got all these inexperienced running backs. We don't know what we're going to get out of Baxter, the freshman. We don't know how good Jonathan Brooks is, right? That's coming into the season, so we're going to throw the ball all the time. And then it turns out we had Jonathan Brooks, one of the best running backs in the country. And we really rode him until he got injured. Since Quinn has come back, he's been great. He's been, I mean, you know, Quinn got injured too. He missed a couple games, two and a half games with that shoulder injury he suffered against Houston. So no, he's been great. And, you know, you talk about receivers, we talk about their guys. Our guys, I feel like, are more talented top to bottom. Than their guys are. Now, their guys are incredibly that's productive. Bold, that's a bold. That's a bold statement. I'm just talking there. about talent. I'm just talking about t- no. I'm serious. Like, well, I mean, at, I think so. By, I think what I mean by NFL scouts, talk about what NFL scouts would think. You're saying okay. Let's just go. Talent. You're okay. I will. Xavier Worthy is talented, but you're saying more talented than Odunze. I'm talking about top to bottom, right? Like the combination of Odunze and Polk. From a talent standpoint, I would I rather mean, have AD Mitchell had a AD Mitchell had a great year and he caught 51 for 813 and 10 touchdowns. Polk was 60 for a thousand yards, two 10 more or nine more catches, almost 200 more yards, two less touchdowns. But to me, that's a very similar stat line. But you're you're I what is pushing at Texas over the edge? What's the single What's the factor that you're looking at? You're saying eye test? Like what? No, I'm talking about like when, like if you're an NFL scout and you're looking at talent, we're talking about this difference between talent and production, right? Height, weight, speed, combinations, or whatever. Texas would have an advantage. Like A.D. Mitchell's a more talented player than Jalen Polk is. Okay. You know what I mean? C6'3", 205 pounds. Great speed, good route runner, great hands. Again, how many times, how many pass attempts does Penix have compared to Quinn Ewers? Uh, 466 versus 357. So if we threw the ball as many times as they have, our receivers, I feel, will have similar numbers to those. That, that's I, all I'm I, saying. 
I don't know, dude. I think this is a pretty prolific. I think you're. I I, I don't mind the confidence, and I'm not. I'm not picking at all. I think it's a. I think it's a close matchup, but the numbers over the course of the season, and they've played some good teams, especially playing Oregon twice. Um, not playing USC, but playing Oregon twice. Oregon State was a good team this year. Utah's defense was pretty decent. UCLA's defense was pretty decent. Um, they they played some decent teams, and they just continue to put up the production. Well, and and that's what one, one of these guys hurt. I love these guys. I love Odunze and I love Pope. I'm just saying they got to cover our guys too. And NFL scouts like our guys just as much as they like their guys. Um, let me throw you out my theory on this game, at least from the offensive perspective, and then I'll let you talk about the two defensive teams because I don't have a ton of, ton of info on those offhand. But offensively for both teams, I think each team has an X factor. Because I actually think the wide receivers kind of more or less cancel each other out. Unless one of them, you know, unless there's some big plays that, that take place, which could happen. But in terms of just play in, play out production, I think it's going to be Dylan Johnson, who had 201 carries, 1,113 yards, 5.5 yards carrying four touchdowns. That's the running back for Washington. He's healthy again. And if he can run against your defensive line and he can keep the pressure off Pinnock's, I think that that could be a ginormous advantage for Washington. Conversely, I, I think the X player for you guys is Sanders. We haven't seen that monster game from him. Um, I don't even think against Alabama he had a monster game, did he? No, he did. That's probably the best. He had over 100 yards okay. in that game. Yeah. So, okay, there you go. That's what I'm saying, right? So he's got to have a similar game, if not better, I think. I think he's got to be somebody that just beats up on Washington's defense that they are spending so much time on Worthy and A.D. Mitchell and all this, that he's getting those ca- those tough catches over the middle, getting those yards, moving the chains, maybe breaking a big play. I think Dylan Johnson's your X factor for Washington. I think J.T. Sanders is your X factor for um, no, Texas. And I, and I think those are all um, great points there. Dylan Johnson is one of the most underrated players in all of college football. He might be. Right? He might be. He, he looked like a stud against Oregon. Man, he was incredible in that Pac-12 championship game. And he was a re- really, really the reason they won. I don't think Penix was great in that game against Oregon. I don't think he no, was I great at all. Agreed. But they rode him, and Oregon couldn't. It's tough, man, right? You've got the threat of these three receivers, and then you, you're running the ball. So it's like, well, how do you come out? Right? Do you play six DBs, which you would normally do when you have a team that has three good receivers. But if you come out with six DBs, they're just going to run it at you. So it's almost like a pick your poison. How, how good, um, and I don't have any advanced metrics, and I'm, not, I'm asking more for a feel of this than I am like the exact answer. Do you feel like Texas is good enough in run defense? Because we know they're good. I don't have their rankings here. We know they are really, really good in rush defense. Um, are they good enough in rush defense to to, to blanket six and and defend with you know the box with five is that are they good enough to do that? They are. The run defense is really good. It's really hard to run in the middle of them. No one really has been able to do it all season. Coincidentally, Texas Tech got a you know had a little bit of success running the football with Taj Boy, but that game got out of hand so quickly that they never really got to benefit from it. Yeah, but even but all, all equal, that, Oklahoma, oh. we didn't run the ball. We didn't run the ball against you uh, outside the quarterback yeah. run game. And then uh, Ollie Gordon didn't have, what, 34 yards, something like that? Not, yeah, not- Ollie Gordon was a complete non-factor in the Big 12 championship game. 
So it's really hard to run against Texas. And I think Washington will have a hard time doing it. My thing is, are they even going to try? Right? You know what I mean? Because it's been shown if you can throw the ball, if you can throw the ball quickly, Texas has trouble, especially on those in-breaking routes. When you're coming across, we saw that, you know, Texas kind of melted down defensively on that last drive against Oklahoma where we just couldn't cover the crossing route. It was just a simple – it wasn't like it was anything, you know, some kind of groundbreaking play call. It just Drake stoops across the middle. We just cut him loose, and it's kind of been that way all season at times. Uh, you know, coverage between the linebackers and the safeties, that kind of area right there, they seem to get lost, and they just seems to be a void there. So I imagine they've spent the last few weeks – really trying to fix that because that's what Washington does best is throwing across the middle to those receivers. They also take deep shots too, but they got to figure out how to cover and they really got to get pressure on Penix. They cannot let him just stand back there and be comfortable. So I'm looking for a big game. I want to see what Ethan Burke is going to do. One of our edge players. And I want to see how they use Anthony Hill. Are they going to unleash him as a pass rusher? He started off playing just as a situational rusher. Right. He's a true, true freshman, though, you know? Yeah, true freshman. As the season has gone on, though, he's been transitioning more into playing a traditional off-the-ball linebacker. I'm very curious to see how they use him. Do they keep him as a traditional linebacker, or they just set him off the edge and just let him get after Penix all game long and try to make him as uncomfortable as possible? So it's, it's a very fascinating um, matchup there. Well... Uh, all right, let's pick this game here. Let's pick this game. We were both dead wrong on the Oklahoma game. Both of us had Oklahoma um, Oklahoma to cover and win, which didn't happen. Texas is a, let me be very specific here, a four-point favorite. Are you picking Texas to win and cover? I am. And I'm going to go with the score that's coincidentally on your hat right now. This one right here? Does that remind you? That's going to bring you some good feelings. That's going to give you ironically good feelings is what you're telling me. There's never going to be good feelings about that, especially the way it ended for me. But um, I'll take where it ended up, where the season ended up. Um, I think Washington covers. I'm not sure if they win. I think they cover. I think this is a closer game. Um, I think it's a very, very close game. Uh, I I could see the score, you know, you're saying 34-30. I could see it 30-27, something like that, 31 I think it's a very close game. Either way, no matter, you know, even if Texas went 41-30 and it'll probably still be a close game and they just might pull away late. You know what I mean? Yeah. This, yeah, is, not- this is a really tough physical game. Um, I don't know, man. I'm really excited for it. It could go either way, but I'm I'm picking Texas here. Um, I think we have just a few too many weapons. And I think, like you said, the JT Sanders, um, I think his impact will be huge. Jordan Whittington as well. All right. We didn't pick the uh, uh, Alabama-Michigan game. Let's pick that too. So we've got Alabama. Let me write this down. We've got Alabama-Michigan. Michigan is a one and a half point favorite. All right, I'm going to go Alabama here. I'm going to say 27-21. I am going to take Alabama 
and I'm going to say 31-17. I, I just I, – I don't believe – So you don't think it will really be close? I don't believe in Michigan, man. I just um, – I don't. I uh, I think they're a slog slog build Pac-12 or a Big 12 – Big 10 team that just, you know, mashes people up and down, and which is fine on a week-to-week basis in the Big 10. But when you get onto a, a big stage – and you play a team like te- uh, a team like Alabama, where Jalen Milrow can literally score in any direction, and then you also have to go up against a defense that is good as Alabama's. I mean, look, dude, look at Ohio State, uh, McCord transferring outside. I mean, you, we saw what happened to them against Missouri, but McC- you can't tell me McCord was the only difference there. I just don't. I don't think Ohio State was that good this year. I really, really don't. Yeah. They had Marvin Harrison. Did Marvin Harrison was? Did he opt out for the game? He did opt out for the game. So maybe and that impact. Here's the interesting thing about Ohio State too, because you know they recruit five star receivers everywhere, and just those guys yesterday, just even without, they just couldn't get open. Nope. I know Missouri's good, right? Was it? I know OU and Missouri, y'all got some beef right oh, they're now. Good. They're a good team right now, but Absolutely. they're a good team, right? But they couldn't get open. The receivers just could not get open. I'm like, you got five stars, they can't get open against Missouri. Yeah, like come on, they couldn't run the ball either. So I don't oh, know. Man. No. No, no, right now, I mean, Missouri's a good team, but Oklahoma and Texas, obviously Texas, but but I'm just speaking for Oklahoma. We could go play Missouri right now and get guys open. Guys would get open against yeah. Missouri. Yes. Like, it, that's not, it wouldn't, you, you wouldn't be scoring three points. Missouri, Missouri might outscore us in the game, right? We could lose, just like we lost to Arizona. That's not my point. Yeah. My point is, though, you're not going to go you hold Oklahoma down to three points. Come on, stop. Correct. Yeah, I mean, you're Ryan Day. I know, and look, they started Devin Brown at quarterback. He got injured. But before he got injured, he wasn't doing anything either. Right? And maybe he would have come alive. Is he the, at some is point. He the kid that broke his arm? No, he that broke. was um no, he hurt his ankle yesterday. That was A and M's quarterback. Oh, that's right. A and M's quarterback. That poor kid on the first play of the game. First play yeah. of the game, it comes out scrambling, gets hit, falls weird, and breaks his arm. That's right. That's right. I, I had a hard time watching that game, though. Those are two teams that I don't really care to watch very much. Oklahoma oh, and, State. and Oklahoma State, yeah, yeah. It, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a great game to watch. It didn't do anything for me. No. It didn't do anything for me. No. Uh, this is being taped right now during the Ole Miss-Penn uh, State game. Peach Bowl. Yeah, the Peach Bowl. Ole Miss and Penn State. Do you have a score on that real quick while we're sitting You know, I don't, there? but I can just pull it up. I got it. You know, Penn 38-25. 38-25. Is it over? 25, 30 seconds left. Okay. The thing about Penn State, man, is just like they seem like they're halfway in between offensively trying to be Michigan and trying to be Ohio State. They're just not good at – they're not great at running the ball and they're not great at passing the ball. Yeah. I think they're below average when it comes to throwing the ball. So until they get their offense right, they're never going to be the kind of program that they want to be. Now, they're still really good, right? I think most programs would take – being 10 and two with your losses being to Ohio state and Michigan. Right. But if they have higher ambitions than that, they're not going to reach them until they get that offense going and they have not been able to figure out. It makes you wonder if it's a head coach that's holding them back from being. Well, it's just Pitt state's always been that way though. Right. You know, they had one good season under Paterno where they won a national championship, I think. Right. Something like 83 maybe or something. Yeah. In Miami that time. And since then, They've just always been like a good program and a good team. They're yeah. a very consistent, 
good team, whatever. But just like this bowl game, they when they ever they play the big boys, whether it's Michigan or Ohio State, or they go out of conference and play some of the SEC, they typically get beat. They're typically not. And, and this is what meant, this is kind of what makes me nervous about a Michigan is I just don't trust the Big Ten. Not this year. I didn't trust, you know, without um, Ohio State having a real high-level quarterback like a C.J. Stroud or something, I didn't trust Ohio State. I don't trust Michigan now. I think they're the fourth-worst team. But, again, nobody else believes that. So maybe, I, maybe I'm dead wrong. I don't know. It will be – that conference is going to be fascinating next year when you get Oregon and USC and UCLA and Washington. You know, this is going to be such an interesting mix of, uh, of styles. Um, some other notes, just uh, real quick. Tawi Walker to Wisconsin. I think that's good for him, right? Oh, I, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear yeah. about that. Oh, okay. Tawi Walker, yeah, Tawi Walker to Wisconsin, going to get a full ride there. I think it's oh, well-deserved. Yeah, good for him. Does this seem like, is this the right way to leave a team, to talk to the coaches, be open and honest with them, practice with your team through the end, support them in the bowl game as needed, yeah, and then why transfer? Not? Why not? Yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah. Like, no, I don't. That's what I'm saying. I don't mind yeah. it. I, yeah. I, I don't have a problem the, with it. I wouldn't have it if I was an OU fan of Texas. Look, I firmly believe that there are players for Texas who are going to go into the portal who just haven't announced it yet. Yeah. You know, I don't know this for sure, but it just seems likely that there are some guys that are going to leave afterwards and just don't want to be a distraction. Now, look, if you're buried on the depth chart, who cares? Like, you're not going to play in the bowl game anyway. Right. Yeah. If you're the fourth string, running back, if you might get a carry, there's no point in staying and putting yourself through practice and stuff. Go ahead and get to your next destination and get going. Try to improve as a player so you can get on the field for that team. But if you're a player who plays like Tommy Walker played, maybe not as much as he would have liked, but he did play, why not? Well, why not? I, I, I think uh, Sawchuck has proven that he is um, that he's the clear number one. He's earned that especially over the last five or six games, he's he's dynamic. He's more dynamic yeah. than Tommy Walker. He is. Um, it's not even close. The biggest question for OU at the running back position is what are you going to get out of Javante Barnes? Is he even going to be around? Well, that's what I wonder, right? Is it is Do they trust Barnes? Is he hurt? What's the deal with there? I did not like anything I saw from him this year. Um, I, I almost wonder how much of it is uh, they're counting on Taylor Tatum, the five-star. Hey, listen. Like, are they five-star running back? You give them the you ball, right? Five star, yeah, you don't bring five-star guys and usually keep them on the bench. But Not running backs, especially. Ball, I, no. So part of me is wondering if they're like, hey, you know, Tawi, we'd love to give you a scholarship, but you're going to be buried on – you're going to be you're going to be the third back. Over. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. All right. Uh, Kevin, uh, Cowboys play uh, the Lions sure? tonight? Yeah, tonight. On a mm-hmm. special Saturday night feature. Uh, is it at Detroit? No, it's in, in Dallas. They've had two straight road games that they've lost. Win. So they really need to get back on track, the Cowboys do. Oh, because, they're, um, they're, they'll probably win so, 41-21 at home, right? Somehow they're still in this, you know, because San Francisco lost. Philly lost one game. They could have lost against the Giants, too. but So they're still, they're still in it when it comes to the seeding for the conference. So they need to get back on track after two straight losses on the road to um, Buffalo and Miami. Uh, your uh, our collective second favorite team, Oklahoma City Thunder, beat uh, the Mavericks last night. I mean, not the Mavericks, the Nuggets. Yeah, they beat them in Denver. You know, usually the Nuggets are a tough matchup for them due to their elite size. They've got three guys that are bigger than 
anybody on the Thunder, right? They've got uh, Jokic and Aaron Gordon and Porter. Now, I don't know if Aaron Gordon played last night, but um, either way, it was a great win for them. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, I think, is becoming a legit MVP candidate. 40 points on the road against Denver. He's averaging over 30 a game this year. Let me tell you the problem with Shea Gilgis-Alexander is he's not going to get to be seen on TV because we are in TV purgatory. Nobody is going to see how good this kid is. Maybe at an all-star game, I don't know. But unless the Thunder, who are second in the West right now, creeping up on uh, Minnesota, start getting some nationally televised games, nobody's going to see how good Shea is, and it sucks. It does. It does, because he's having a remarkable year. And, you know, I was telling my wife that last night because we were talking about him, and I told her the same thing. You know, he can legitimately win the MVP this year. Just that casual fan doesn't know because – this is a process here, whereas with Russ, KD, and James Harden, you guys kicked the door in. Right. It was like yes. it wasn't even like a, a climb. You just, we're here, and then you became a sensation. This is more of a natural rebuild here. So, yeah, casual fan has no idea how good Shea Gilgis Alexander is. Can you uh, real quick? I've I've been meaning to ask you because you'll know this. I also could look it up on Google, but. Um, what is Shea's contract situation? How long does the Thunder guaranteed to have him? Oh, man, I think he has at least three more years. Are you serious? I think so. Oh, that's huge. That is huge. Yeah. Here's the thing. They they have so many assets from the Russell Westbrook trade and, of course, the Paul George trade, which got them Shea Gilgis Alexander. They have, I think, six first-round picks over the next three years. That, that they, they can could, use that if they wanted to trade and get another. Because I think I still think they could use another big. And obviously, they're not trading Shea. They're not trading um, Chet Holmgren. And I think Jalen Williams, J Dub. I don't think they're going to move him either. I but just I think I, anybody you know, else they could move. But right now, they're are they the best three point shooting team in the league? Second best three point shooting team in the league. So I know for a, for a while they. That he that they were the uh, For, I mean that was always been the Thunder's bugaboo. Even when they had Russ and and, uh, and KD, was they weren't actually a very good three point shooting team, and we were always constantly trying to go out and find a three point shooter. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't sound like that's the need though right now, right? It sounds like it, you know, to your point, it's big guys, yeah. maybe a little more defense for the playoff run. Uh huh. Yeah, you need you need more size because you um, against elite big teams. I went to the um, Thunder Lakers game last Saturday. And yeah, they just got killed on the glass. It was just too yeah. big. You know, with Anthony Davis and Hachimura out there, they just, uh, they were just too big. And of course, LeBron went nuts with 40 points. So add another guy who can help with rebounding and defending. I think you'll be good to go. I think you can make is a that, potential finals run this year. Is that the only time you've ever seen LeBron play? That's the second time I've seen him play. You saw him play twice, okay? Yeah, uh-huh. I know you don't like the. I don't know if you don't like the guy, but I think you would actually enjoy watching him play in person. Just seeing oh, his court vision and everything. I bet he was great. amazing, and the fact that he's the oldest player in the league, and he went for forty, and in the fourth quarter, he was perfect from the field and from three. In, in the fourth quarter, it was insane to watch, man. I saw uh, Kobe against. The Thunder in the playoffs one year, um, the Thunder just killed him. So we didn't even see him in the fourth quarter. 
Um, the Thunder just ran off and left them. I think that was the second year of the play, the playoffs for the Thunder. And then, um, of course, I got to see a bunch of David Robinson's games when I was there. Yeah. Um, and then I got to see Michael Jordan. Well, I got to see an all-star game. I saw the 96 all-star game in San Antonio in the Alamo. So I had nosebleed seats. So listen, dude, I had nosebleed. I was way, I was in the building, but I was way the heck yeah, up there, dude. Was there, man. I was way there. Be cool if you still had that. Uh, Jordan won the MVP. He won the, uh, and all of San Antonio wanted Shaquille O'Neal. They all wanted okay. Shaquille O'Neal. They gave it to Jordan. Did you go, do you remember they had the jam session? Do you remember that? Well, yeah, I remember the jam, the jam session. Yeah. Did you go to it? No, I don't, I don't think, I uh, maybe, I don't know. I don't remember. It was, what it was, was just like this, almost like a, it almost looked like the state fair does inside with all those booths and stuff, but it's just all NBA stuff. People are like, they're selling posters and stuff. So I didn't get to go to the game, but I went to all that, all the festivities and stuff. My dad took me down there. It's pretty cool. I remember getting a Penny Hardaway poster, everything from my wall. And there's NBA players walking around everywhere. So it was pretty cool. It was a great memory. Yeah. Didn't get no, to see Jordan, yeah. but I did well, see maybe, Penny Hardaway walking around down there. If we, uh, It looks like Oklahoma City's building a new arena. Maybe we'll get an all-star game out of it. Uh, the NBA usually gives you an all-star game if you build a new arena. Yeah. So let's, that, let's hope we get an all-star. Because, listen – an all-star game for the NBA, they just do it different, dude. It's pretty rad. An NBA all-star game is it's a different level of fun, man. You know, and uh all the all the concerts that accompany it, all the whole thing. Like uh, it's yeah, just it's a it's huge, a event. huge event. All right, dude. Real enjoy quick, your Cowboys. Oh. Under contract for three more years after this year. Oh wow, that's huge for Oklahoma City. Okay. Uh, Kevin, you've got a big game against the Lions tonight, an even bigger game. On Monday, I'm going to give you the last word, and I will even allow you to close us off um, in our in our typical send off. Only we'll do it in reverse, just for you. Go ahead, send. Give us your All final right. thoughts well, on the game, again, and then you close us off. Huge moment for the University of Texas and all of our fans. Look for a big game from Quinn Ewers. I think he's going to show the country what he's made of. Our receivers to step up, make some big plays. Also, our running backs. Hopefully we can force a few turnovers on defense. Hopefully next time we talk on this podcast, we'll be previewing the national championship featuring the Texas Longhorns. But we'll see, man. John, we'll talk to you soon, man. Welcome. Over.